0: The company, 0x4447, builds products to increase standardization and security in AWS organizations. And they do this with automated pipelines that use well-structured projects to create secure, easy-to-maintain, and fail-tolerant solutions. One of those is their VPN product, built on top of the popular OpenVPN project, which has no license restrictions. You're only limited by the network card in the instance. To learn more... Visit snark.cloud/deploy and go. That's snark.cloud/deploy and go, all one word. I've gotten some flack recently for daring to suggest that S3's native features weren't a substitute for a thoughtful backup strategy. I'm not alone in this opinion. Andreas Wittig calls out that S3 versioning is insufficient on the grounds of three basic reasons: accidental deletion, since you can delete all versions at the same time malicious deletion, which hits the same problem, and at scale, recovery is going to suck for you. Now, he's talking about S3 versioning, but I would also say there are elements of this with that MFA delete is also going to wind up causing for you. So let's be clear, there, there's no panacea. I suppose... That object lock might work, except then you will never, ever be able to delete your data ever again. That's expensive and more than a little bit constraining for what you're doing, but all right. So let's figure out what you're protecting against. A common failure mode of backup planning is not having a clear understanding around what scale of disaster you're attempting to defend your data against. Accidentally overwriting a single file? Losing access to your entire AWS account? Losing an entire AWS region? All of AWS going down? All three cloud providers deleting your data simultaneously? A determined attacker, possibly internal to your organization? There's a reason that AWS Backup for S3 launched, despite its clown shoes pricing that costs more than the S3 original copy of the data that it's protecting. Yes, AWS offers a sarcastic number of nines in its durability design targets for S3, despite its SLAs not coming anywhere near that guarantee, but that's a design target only. I go into this in some depth uh, about a year ago in another post that I wrote called S3's Durability Guarantees Aren't What You Think. People have it in their heads even now that hard drives and computers are unlikely to fail at S3's scale and design. And they're right. Or if they do, we don't have to care about it. But the same people who claim on Twitter that this obviates the need for backups are also asking continually for an edit tweet button because they make mistakes whilst tweeting, seemingly without spotting the contradiction there. I can't speak for anyone else, but I plan to screw things up a lot. I fat finger buckets, overwrite files and objects with empty versions, and make a medley of other only funny to other people and only in hindsight level of mistake. For the stuff that actually matters, I have multiple tiers of backups, time machine for on-site backups, backblaze for off-site backups, using git to manage code, and I still copy the directory to a .back version before making sweeping changes just in case, and a few more. There are two kinds of people, those who have lost data and those who will, and nobody is nearly as fanatical about this stuff than a member of the first group. Yes, I'm one of them. Obviously, I know I'm fallible, and I'd plan for that. When we start exploring failure modes, I also make it a point to consider what happens when a bad actor, be they internal or external, gets access to things with ill intent in mind. That's why my own credentials only get me into some of our AWS accounts, but not all of them. That's why, for stuff that really matters, I offsite data to Google Cloud, because let's face it, AWS as a business entity is very much a single point of failure. I'm not concerned about AWS going out of business, but the odds of my credit card being declined and losing my data is very much not zero. Plus, it's easier for me to just do it than to explain to folks down the road why I didn't do it. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends at Vulture, spelled V-U-L-T-R, because they're all about helping save money, including on things like, you know, vowels. So what they do is they are a cloud provider that provides surprisingly high-performance cloud compute at a price that, well, sure, they they claim it is better than AWS's pricing, and... When they say that, they mean that it's less money. Sure, I don't dispute that. But what I find interesting is that it's predictable. They tell you in advance on a monthly basis what it's going to cost. They have a bunch of advanced networking features. They have 19 global locations and scale things elastically, not to be confused with openly, which is apparently elastic and open. They can mean the same thing sometimes. They have had over a million users. Deployments take less than 60 seconds across. 12 pre-selected operating systems, or if you're one of those nutters like me, you can bring your own ISO and install basically any operating system you want. Starting with pricing as low as $2.50 a month for Vulture Cloud Compute, they have plans for developers and businesses of all sizes, except maybe Amazon, who stubbornly insists on having something of the scale on their own. But you don't have to take my word for it with an exclusive offer for you. Sign up today for free and receive $100 in credits to kick the tires and see for yourself. Get started at vulture.com slash morning brief. That's V-U-L-T-R rcom slash morning brief. It's also important to figure out what data you're going to miss if you lose it. Most of my data isn't frankly that important. We generate a lot of stuff, and if my S3 access logs go poof someday, I won't really care. I only care about them now negatively because they keep showing up on my AWS bill. The inverse thing to consider here is that the more places you store backups, the greater your security exposure gets. Those are more systems and more places to guard against access. Your backups should absolutely be encrypted, but where do the keys live? Better hope you're backing those up too. One of the reasons that S3 bucket negligence award have been highlighting so much data that's incredibly damaging is that S3 itself is often used as a backup target for other systems that hold incredibly sensitive things. It is Way easier to get access to a single S3 bucket than it is for all three of a payroll database, a payments database, and your production API keys. Now, let me be very clear here. I am not suggesting that S3 loses data. I'm not suggesting that it's insecure. I'm not even suggesting that it's badly priced. And you're probably aware of just how rare that is. I'm suggesting that multiple copies of important data in different places was a mainstay of good operational practice back in the data center days when we had to worry about individual hard drive failures. And just because AWS has come up with a clever way to survive those doesn't do anything to defend against the other threats to our data that we've always been living with. But it does definitely give us a leg up on most ransomware. (music)